our next guest, I'm really excited to talk to today. Um, I'll give a little bit of background, but really kind of let him dive in. Um, Major Stephen Harvey, he dedicated 22 years as a Marine. Now he's working with Naval X SoCal Tech Bridge um, on these really cool innovative initiatives that are optimizing the Department of Defense in battlefield technologies, which sounds awesome. And so I'm really excited just to have this conversation. Um, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dylan. I appreciate you. Uh, you asked me to come on. Yeah, so uh, I don't want to butcher your background because you've done a lot of cool stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your experience in the military and then how you kind of transitioned out and uh, what you're working on today? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm about to roll into my, you know, roll over 23 years in the Marine Corps. I, I began as a, uh, an enlisted infantryman uh, deploying to Panama and the Mediterranean. Um, and then I uh, became an officer and uh, an administrator in the Marine Corps. Um, the work there that I did uh, got me an invite to the Naval Postgraduate School to earn a master's in information technology management, which is great because I couldn't spell IT before I went to that school. Um, and there it was really uh, a professional and, uh, and personal pivot for me. I, I started to evaluate commercial technology uh, and and its uh, implication and application for military use. And so, uh, you know, wrote a whole thesis on it with a very talented, uh, uh, another very talented Marine, uh, Lorenzo Trevino. And, uh, and that kind of launched this uh, third chapter of my military career where uh, I went to Marine Corps uh, tactical system support activity after uh, Naval postgrad school uh, up the road here at Camp Pendleton and uh, began to uh, dabble in uh, AI and, and other, um, you know, emerging technologies for the DOD. And uh, a relationship I started there was with uh, the previous director of the Naval X SoCal Tech Bridge, Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Gould. And he and I worked on a few projects over the years. Uh, and when it was time for him to retire and they needed a, a one-year bridge, they, uh, they, they called me. And so now I get to um, evaluate uh, commercial dual-use technology for military application, um, not as a research project or as a hobby, but uh, for my job, which has really been super rewarding because um, you know, I think most folks know that the, the DOD, uh, the Department of Defense, used to be the epicenter for, um, for innovation and research and development in the nation. And then after World War II and, you know, the 70 plus years since then, that has flipped on its head where commercial industry is pouring billions of dollars into you know, R&D. Uh, and we have to be positioned uh, appropriately to spin that technology out for military application when the time is right. And so what we do uh, and why Naval X was started by the Assistant Secretary of the uh, Navy for Research Development and Acquisition a couple of years ago um, is to inject some agility into um, you know, the uh, acquisitions and procurement processes here in the Department of Defense. That's amazing, man. What an awesome career. And so are you still active in the military right now, it sounds like? I am. Oh, very cool. Thank you uh, for your service, man. That's a that's an amazing career. Let's bring it real back. So, what made you originally want to uh, get into the military as a marine in the first place? That is a great question. If, if anybody knows out there, uh, let me know. Um, I knew that uh, sticking around where I was, uh, I grew up about forty minutes south of Chicago, and uh, and that's a great place to be from. Uh, I have you know no no ill will toward anybody there in the Midwest. They're still my people, but. Uh, I was uh, was pretty sheltered in, in the Midwest there and didn't really have, uh, I, I had blinders on. And so the first time I got on a plane was to go come to San Diego to uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot here for boot camp. 
Um, and since that day, um, you know, those blinders kind of, uh, you know, widened and widened and widened. And now, you know, my eyes are open. Um, so the last 23 years have been a blessing inside the Marine Corps. And so how did this pathfire in the Marine Corps slowly lead you down into kind of this like AI IT space? Because that that's a kind of specific path. I mean, you got your master's. So you were obviously kind of, it sounds like you were looking for ways to continue to learn and educate yourself and advance yourself within the Marines, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, I think that's kind of a hallmark of all Marines is that, you know, we don't, um, we don't want to be static in, in, you know, conti- we really like to keep the momentum uh, both in the training and education side of things. Um, for me, uh, it was, I guess, taking this path was born out of frustration. Um, and I, I don't mean to turn the conversation negative, but sometimes frustration can, can, um, you know, create innovation. It can, it can create new paths uh, towards um, removing barriers for those that follow. Um, you know, I'm sure you've had many, many founders on your, uh, you know, over the course of these two days, they'll tell you that it's not easy being first. Um, and I don't necessarily uh, put myself in that category, but the frustration I felt with how slow it was to uh, uh, purchase things inside the military to get the right uh, piece of equipment into the hands of the warfighter in a timely manner. Uh, that's why I continue doing uh, what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I, uh... Now, tell us a little bit about the Naval X and SoCal Tech Bridge. Like, what's your kind of day-to-day life like working with those those organizations? Yeah, so like I said, Naval X was started a couple of years ago by Hondo Gertz, the uh, Assistant Secretary of Navy for Research, Development, and Acquisition. Um, really, a grassroots uh, effort inside the Department of the Navy to uh, you know c- connect with uh, industry in our areas. So, you know, now there began with six tech bridges. Um, SoCal was one of the first. And now there's 15 of them. Uh, and, and our job is to go out there and make connections with industry and try to, uh, you know, again, inject some agility into the, uh, the process of getting their tech into our hands. Day to day, I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, drinking coffee with people, uh, making phone calls and, and, you know, contacting the organizations both uh, inside and out of the government. Uh, to figure out the the fastest way to uh, make something happen, whatever that happens to be, if it's buying a widget or developing a new concept, uh, that's how my day is spent. It really, just uh, connecting folks. That's super cool. Do you have uh, like specific industries or technology that you tend to look for, or are you getting references, or how do you tend to come across um, the companies that you work with? So it happens. Uh, pretty organically, um, the companies that we deal with deal with other companies, right? There's a lot of B2B that happens out there. And so what we do is we pay attention to market forecasts and how uh, these companies uh, view their technology being used in the future, not only uh, from the military, and that's great, they have uh, an idea, but also uh, how it's going to be used commercially, because that's important to us as well. Um, so yeah, the uh, the idea that we're out there banging on doors of, of particular companies, um, I think would be a false narrative. Instead, uh, you know, we let the, the strategic technology areas pick us. And so if it's something that we view is going to be uh, important to the military in the future, uh, we, we tend to, to, you know, grab onto that. So 5G is one of those things. Electric mobility is one of those things. Unmanned logistics. Uh, those areas really, um, uh, you know, picked us. Yeah. 
what uh, what areas or technologies are you most excited about that you're kind of seeing that growth in in your pump to implement into what you're doing? So we've done a lot of work with Verizon uh, on our 5G living lab. Um, one of the uh, hallmarks of the Southern California Tech Bridge in particular is that we take the convergence of installations. Uh, we have a dense military population in San Diego, and uh, well, San Diego County. Um, we've got all the research universities that are here and a deep roster of tech companies. Um, and what we think is the way forward is to use our installations, that physical land space, real people with real problems, uh, you know, folks trying to solve those sticky problems, use our, our installations as living labs. And I'll give you an example. So, and I'll come back to 5G here in a second because uh, I'm gonna walk you down this, this path. So 2017, um, the former director of the Tech Bridge, Brandon Newell, started the Autonomous Vehicle Proving Grounds at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar. And what that did was it you know, opened the door to uh, Qualcomm to stop driving their vehicles, their autonomous vehicles to Arizona to test them. They just brought them to Miramar. And um, what we learned from them was that in order for uh, you know, autonomous vehicles to, to, to really take over and, and create a connected, uh, connected roadways in our area, we were gonna need to leverage 5G for that internet of things so these vehicles could communicate with one another and be safe on the road. Um, once that link was made, we uh, you know, got, uh, or started forming a relationship, partnership with Verizon uh, and Verizon saw that there was real uh, benefit in installing the, the first 5G ultra-wideband uh, small cell at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar. And by the end of the year, we'll have 25 radiating so that the entirety of uh, mainside Miramar, the uh, six and a half square miles there that uh, encompasses the flight line, will be a, a fully commercial 5G network. Um, and so we are taking 5G and using that as a backbone of communications for our connected electric and autonomous vehicles uh, uh, pilots that we are going to be running in the future. Mm -hmm. That's super cool, man. Like it, I find it so fascinating. And one thing that you mentioned was, you know, the DOD was kind of the leaders in, you know, this new technology coming out and slowly but surely the private sector has been growing. At, at what point, like, did that cross, would you say? Has that crossed or is it, would you, I mean, I'm sure there's technologies out there that we don't know about that you can't talk about, but um, are they sort of like pushing each other? Are they working together or how does that kind of work? Like, are you, uh, are you finding technologies and being like, man, like we're working on this, you have that, let's put it together? Yeah, so uh, I don't know that there was a particular point in history where you can point to and say, it, it flipped right there. I yeah. think it was a gradual thing that occurred because, uh, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't fire a bullet, a missile, or a rocket, um, commercial industry is doing it better, right? Um, that There's just no, no arguing that point. And so um, where there's... Um, uh, opportunity for integration with certain technologies. Uh, AI is a really good one, for example. Um, we have a lot of, of dumb systems, you know, both inside the Department of Defense and, and commercial, right? Uh, if we can uh, automate some things, uh, inject uh, some, some artificially intelligent systems into existing systems to make them smart, um, those are the areas that we want to, you know, really, really hone in on uh, because ultimately what we want to do is, is free up humans to do only the things that humans can do. Those routine, uh, mundane tasks that, that we all lament, uh, you know, automating those things gives us, gives us our time back. Yeah. And I know, um, you've worked on some pretty cool, like, I don't know if projects is the right word, but on the base of like, you've implemented the self-driving shuttles, the self-sustaining power grids. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, different things you've worked on? 
Yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll point to two uh, major events we did back in June, the Unmanned Logistics Systems Demonstration. That was a uh, culmination of a two-year effort for the Operational Energy Office at Pentagon, where we ended up, uh, well, I, I guess this is happening. Um, okay. Working from home, guys. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, we, we took, uh, that the culmination of that two year, um, project for operational energy called fueled ops. And we demonstrated an electric autonomous and connected battlefield, um, using, uh, Verizon's private 5g, um, instantiation, uh, from their vehicle Thor, the tactical humanitarian uh, operations recovery vehicle. And if you haven't seen this thing, I'll, I'll just pause there. It's impressive. It's an F650. Didn't even know those things existed. Uh, so Google that and, and take a look at Thor. Uh, but what we learned there was, or what we demonstrated there was that we can uh, see a future on the battlefield where if not, um, you know, at our larger forward operating bases, you know, at the forward edge of the battlefield, those smaller, uh, you know, combat outposts, if we can create a situation where at the edge, they're using electricity rather than liquid fuel as uh, as the means by which they power their command operation center and the radios and those things well then we can start to you know reduce the risk of having to uh you know create 17 vehicle convoys to get those millions of pounds of of liquid fuel across the battlefield which you know it's, it ultimately saves lives um, but also enables us to be a little bit more um, agile on the battlefield and that we could then potentially source our own energy through various means and, and neil got a little bit into that in the last uh the last brief so um and then the following day, what we did was we, we pulled a lot of those same folks, but also others uh, to uh, Mainside Miramar to talk about electric mobility and how we might create um, or realize rather the, the ecosystem of an electron. So um, maybe not this crowd on this call right now, um, but most people view electric mobility uh, through the lens of uh, cars and chargers, right? But we all know that there's this, this large spectrum that we have to worry about. We have to worry about the sourcing, the, uh, the control, the transfer, and the movement, right? And, and so to achieve the services side of things, the movement of people, packages, and power, we've got to address all of the other elements of, um, of electric mobility. Um, it really came to a head recently with President Biden, um, you know, declaring that we, we are going to go to a full, like decarbonize the, the non-tactical fleet of vehicles in the federal government. Um, and then Governor Newsom, uh, you know, saying we're not going to sell any new um, internal combustion engine vehicles in the state of California beyond 2035. And those those things have impact. Are, you know, there's there's issues there that we need to address. There's second and third order effects that of, you know, electrifying the non-tactical fleet of vehicles, for example. If we did that today, if we just snapped our fingers, we're going to blow every circuit on every installation across the globe. So we have to take measured steps now to understand what that looks like uh, in the future. That's that's super cool and really interesting to think about, um, and and I like how you really have like kind of that knowledge of thinking long term of what that's going to look like, not you know this year, next year, but five, ten years from now. Are there any kind of industries that you're noticing are going to just continue to be implemented into you know not only the military but in the reverse of that, like into our everyday lives as as civilians? I think for sure electric vehicles, I don't see a future that uh, doesn't include them in, in, in some way. And I think it's gonna take a minute to get there. Um, you know, there's gonna be, you know, hybrid fleets um, while we figure out how to reduce the, the fuel or liquid fuel driven vehicles or liquid fuel powered vehicles rather. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, and maybe I'm just biased uh, or, or I, I have, you know, uh, a, a certain lens that I'm looking through because I live in Southern California. Um, but I, I don't see how we, we don't leverage that uh, technology in both for, you know, environmental reasons, but also uh, financially. Yeah. What are you kind of most excited about? Like, I mean, you obviously kind of see all these things firsthand, like what gets you pumped up when it comes to implementing this new technology into, you know, our day-to-day lives and in the military? So I am really excited about education. Um, and I, I love seeing light bulbs come, come on over people's heads, um, mine included. And so what's most exciting for me is to see the transition and the flexibility in our workforce as we introduce these new technologies onto our installations. And then, you know, of course, onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, what's your plan moving forward? Like, do you want to continue to, to be in the Marine side? No, also, um, we haven't really touched on it, but you're an entrepreneur, like you've got your own business as well. Do you want to eventually get out of the military and continue in this sector? Uh, I am going to retire uh, next year. Um, that That's kind of in stone. Uh, what I'm going to do next is, is still, you know, pretty squishy. Um, but yeah, th- there are some things that I need to do, uh, particularly around education and uh and human center design, it's a real passion of mine is to, to connect them. That's something that Neil said earlier that he was, uh, you know, making bets on people. And that really resonates with me because, um, and it's really how we view our relationships with industry partners in the SoCal Tech Bridge. Um, you know, if, if the conversation begins with, or, or if we're looking at our relationship with industry through the lens of, of contracts and, and legal review, uh, well, you know, it, it's like, it's like signing a prenup, right? You know, here you go. I, I love you so much, but would you just sign here before we can get married? Uh, and it doesn't start the, uh, the relationship off on a great foot. So I believe firmly that if we, uh, as a people everywhere, uh, all of us, not just DOD to industry or, or, you know, or whatever it, it, we have to start to engage one another, uh, on a human level, face to face and not through social media and those things. So that's really my passion. I, I want to, uh, to, you know, double down on that when I retire and, and find out where that fits in in my next, uh, my next adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, 23 years as a Marine in the military, I think uh, you're, it's okay to take a little break and kind of uh, get things going after that. That's, that's really cool. How is, uh, you know, your experience being in the military for those 23 years, like how has it shifted to a more kind of clean tech, renewable energy, um, like space, like, I'm sure it wasn't like that before, but now it definitely is. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, you know, the, the, the dawn of the information age obviously had a, a, a large play in that. Right. So we're able to share information more freely now than we ever had before. And I, I got to kind of see that in real time over the last 23 years, um, joining the Marine Corps without ever having really touched a computer uh, to doing what I'm doing now. And I think that a lot of folks out there can probably say the same thing. Um, so the awareness around clean tech, uh, I think that that alone uh, opens people's eyes to a different way of doing business. Um, and, and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, well, and, and of course, we have the directives from our commander in chief and, and the governors of the states that our insta- installations are in. Um, there are uh, just a lot more ways to share information uh, about um, clean tech. Mm-hmm. And so I know you kind of touched on this, but like, in what ways is the military actually enacting renewable energy and clean technology into, you know, kind of their day-to-day technologies? 
Yeah, I can give you one example. Um, and again, it's, it's at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar. Uh, we've got a really, really talented energy manager there named uh, Mick Wasco. And uh, so it's an installation-wide uh, microgrid. Um, he has demonstrated on several occasions the ability to island off the installation um, and, and still conduct operations both you know, on the base, but also uh, the ability to you know, on order project power forward into the Indo-PACOM uh, area of operations. So um, we see every single day uh, in the microgrid and, and what they're doing there for energy resilience, um, you know, and to include the uh, the surrounding community, right? So there's been several times where the state uh, or STG&E has called the installation saying, hey, can you island so that we don't have to brown out or black out, you know, thousands of homes around your, your installation? And the answer almost always is yes. Uh, so I think um, the, the more that that is known around the community, the more that that's uh, spread throughout the DOD. And, and really, I think the more that um, Miramar uh, advertises that ability, other DOD installations will get on board. Um, and it really, it, it, it's, it's a benefit to, to everybody for, you know, for us to, to be doing these things. Not only, you know, just the installation, it's great for us. You know, we have a mission. Uh, the surrounding community here in, you know, Southern California and the uh, San Diego County, the state, I think, also is interested in what we're doing. We had David Hochschild uh, down to, to Miramar for the Electrical Mobility Symposium in June. Uh, so the, the more that we can get the word out that uh, you know, uh, energy resilience, is sustainability is, is the way forward, uh, the better it would be uh, for everybody. Yeah. Do you know like how they were capable of doing that? Oh, my gosh. Don't ask me those technical details. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, though, that... Um, that, you know, we source energy from uh, you know, solar arrays around the installation. Mm. Um, we harvest methane gas from the landfill just to our south. Uh, we've got our utility grid. We've got uh, generators and backup uh, battery storage. Uh, there's a lot of, um, of effort going into clean tech in Miramar. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Can you uh, just kind of share like maybe one story that sticks out in your mind of, you know, just kind of seeing some cool technology or like advancements like in action. Oh boy. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of memory to go through here. Um, I tell you what, um, recently we had the, uh, there's a company called Danner and they made what, uh, what's called the, uh, the mobile power station. And that sound, it's, it's kind of, it sounds like a misnomer. What this thing is, is a teleoperated or automated, uh, massive four-wheel vehicle uh, that integrates pretty seamlessly with over 200 um, caterpillar attachments. So this thing can be uh, an auger, an excavator, a street sweeper, etc. Um, what's so awesome about it, though, is that it carries a half a megawatt of power. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is really important when you look forward to the battlefield in that scenario I mentioned before, where if we have, uh, you know, a element uh, that's at the forward edge of the battlefield that needs refueling uh, if that refueling is electricity, then we can send this thing automated across the battlefield to go re resupply those uh, those troops um, without putting you know lives at risk. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool to see that thing in action. Um, just just awesome. I, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun in this job. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I love uh, I love kind of hearing like the different cool technologies that come out of that. Um, well. Seriously, thank you for being here. I want to just kind of touch on one last thing. We got connected through the San Diego EDC, which uh, was, has been a huge help in getting this event going. Um, and they're kind of more of a, a government organization. So what's, what's your guys' kind of relationship like with San Diego EDC? Yeah, so uh, you know, we feel it's really, really important that our installations um, 
I said island before, but that was, you know, that was with regard to power. We should not be islands, right? We have to um, consider the impact that uh, that we have on our surrounding community, and we want to know what's important to the surrounding community. So, through the EDC and through uh, the San Diego Association of uh, Association of Governments, um, it's been really, really good to see, you know, how they view, um, uh, you know, transportation in the future. For example, you know, how they view. Um, the, the population in San Diego, what, you know, growing and then what does that mean for infrastructure? Um, you know, uh, I'm sitting on the, uh, the AI for transportation advisory board right now, uh, figuring out what does automation mean? What, what is, again, what are those second and third order effects of these connected autonomous vehicles uh, operating on our roadways? Uh, so the relationship has been really, really great with all the surrounding communities. Uh, we've, we've got, uh, again, really like human to human, really good partnerships with these folks. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks to uh, San Diego EDC for connecting us. Um, as we kind of wrap this up, you know, you've obviously had an awesome career. You've done a lot of cool stuff. You've I'm sure seen a lot of really awesome like technologies be built and implemented. What's just sort of one piece of advice that, you know, you've learned and can share with our audience, um, you know, whether it's career advice or life advice or when it comes to renewable energy, sustainability, that our audience here can take away from this conversation? Ooh, that's a lot of responsibility there, Dylan. Uh, all right, so uh, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, it, it was something I learned way too late in life. Um, taking a position on something is great, um, but if you can uh, you know, show some empathy to the person that you're talking to, uh, you can probably uh, arrive that we all want the same things, uh, re- regardless of what, end of the political spectrum you might be on or what your view on a particular thing is we all want the same thing we want a, a safe place to live we want a clean place to live uh and so uh, i would really encourage everybody to to just again meet on a human to human level stop looking at all these things through the lens of social media or, or the news and just connect with your community and uh you know march towards that aspirational vision uh together Mm-hmm. Well, Major Harvey, thank you so much for uh, for sharing this. And and honestly, I, I was really excited when you were able to come on because um, one of my goals with kind of getting, you know, different speakers on was like this Ocean's Eleven team of everybody with all these cool different backgrounds. And and I think, uh, you know, you're, you're one of the uh, last people to really confirm. But when you said you're able to come on, I was really excited because, you know, we've talked to finance experts, tech experts. Uh, you know, industry experts. And so it's really cool to just kind of get all these different perspectives, um, especially someone like you who's had, you know, really cool background and and experience working in, you know, the military with the DOD. So thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate the invite and uh, thanks for having me, Dylan.